Audi. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. This is a little New Year's special. It's going to be very casual. It's just me and the microphone and I probably won't even add any music because I'm in that kind of mood. I've been in Spain for about 10 days now having a great time. It's lovely. Well, it's not warm. It's not tropical warm, but it's about 17 degrees in the daytime and that's nice for us coming from England because we can wander around with the kids and go to the beach and do lots of nice things. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about some of my travels over New Year, because to me, New Year's Eve was always a really good time. And Christmas, in fact, was always a really good time to go somewhere really hot and special. I've made no notes. I'm just going to make it up as I go along. But I think the first New Year abroad that really stands out for me is on the day I finished university in Brighton, my then boyfriend, a musician, and I tossed a coin to... We wanted to travel the world and we never got to travel the world. We got as far as Holland and Belgium. Later on, I did manage to to travel the world, but it just goes to show that there's lots of ways of uh, different ways of traveling the world. I've said this before when I chat to people on the podcast. If you can't afford to go traveling after university or, you know, when you're 18 or 20 or even 25, there's lots of other ways to see the world. And I have since seen the world. But at that time we tossed a coin. It was heads we stay in Brighton for the summer Tails, we moved to Amsterdam tomorrow. And it was Tails, and we were both a bit gung-ho. And we went, okay, let's move to Amsterdam tomorrow. We had enough money for two or three nights in a B&B, which we got in the centre of town, and then we had nothing. So on the very first night we were there, we met in, we went to this, this Irish bar, which became a theme of our whole sort of almost year in Holland and Belgium, and met a guy that I'd been to school with in Spain. Well, he was at the Swedish school, and I was at the English school. And here we were meeting in Amsterdam. And he introduced us to these Swedish girls, and they said well come and stay with us and they they shared we shared they shared a bed and we shared a bed on our own and we we stayed with these really lovely Swedish girls Anna and Lena um, for a few weeks in Amsterdam and then ended up very uh, because my then boyfriend Lawrence had a friend Wim hi Wim who lived in 
Belgium in Antwerp and we ended up going to to stay there and living there for several months. It wasn't the most successful trip in the world, I have to say. We saved no money. We lost money. We were skinned. It was quite stressful. We were living in a B&B in the red light district of Antwerp for a while and then moved to another B&B, uh, sorry, not a B&B, a studio and then moved to another studio closer to town. But it was quite... It was the sort of thing you want to do in your early 20s, you know, moving somewhere on a whim and having a hard time was all, all part of it. But it was uh, it was great fun. And then some of it was quite stressful. But um, we, we ended up earning a living by traveling to Irish pubs all over Holland and Belgium and him playing there in the in the bars. And uh, we just got lots of free beer, which was good. And there was this, the Irish pubs were amazing. There was this whole, this whole culture of Irish pubs at the time that were just crazy with live music and dancing. And it was a really, it was a really fun time. Some of those nights were. And uh, so, so New Year's Eve, we were in Rotterdam. And Lawrence got a gig in Rotterdam and his cousin, Justin, came over from England. And we had this great night in Rotterdam and it was 1999 and if anyone was in a place at new year's eve on 1999 when they didn't they didn't play prince in 1999 then uh, you know they the, the dj was so doing something wrong so we uh, we danced until 1999 and saw in the new year and then had nowhere to stay but the manager of the bar said oh come and crash with us like why we didn't organize this before we went I don't know and he had this empty flat I think he went to stay with his girlfriend which we got back we had like a couple of hours sleep in this dark and empty flat and we were starving the next morning and all there was in the cupboard was a tin of peas so the three of us shared a tin of peas <laughs> with the fork at uh, on new year's day of 1999 and that was quite a memorable new year uh, for many reasons whatsoever but since then i did manage to travel the world and christmas and new year were always a really good time for me to do it and i still say that now it's a great time to go away because it's not very warm in the northern hemisphere but it's beautiful and sunny in the south and so one of the first christmases and new years i spent abroad was in bangkok and I always thought I'd go to Bangkok and backpack like everyone else did. But, you know, the story, the unsuccessful trip to Belgium and saving to travel the world. So the first time I went to Bangkok, I was really unexpectedly, I was 26 years old. I was flying business class. I had a flat bed on BA because I was an events producer. And I was going over there to produce a big load of events when a mobile phone company called Orange were launching over there. And I ended up spending three months there. So it wasn't the arrival in Bangkok and going down the Khao San Road and, you know, having a backpack and that, that a lot of people do. It was brilliant. I was on expenses. I was staying in this really posh um, service departments. And we just had a great time, me and my colleagues from a production company I was working for called The Bank. But um, for New Year's Eve, we went to my then boyfriend, now husband, David. Uh, we go back a long way. We went to Koh Samui and it was just beautiful. White sands, blue, blue, blue seas. We stayed in this beach hut. I think that was probably our first introduction to the fact that when you stay abroad in um, and you go to a lot of resorts, even if it's just like a resort with a cluster of huts, a lot of time on New Year's Eve, people have do these 
gala dinners which they're just awful frankly they're really bad uh, we've seen gala dinners where the electricity's blown things have been set on fire in india in thailand in vietnam in cambodia and always something's gone wrong but they're quite funny and we always go along to them just to to see you know what what's going to happen at this one anyway so after the gala dinner which is really awkward and you know things going on fire whatever we went down the beach and at the mid at midnight it was the funniest thing in the world because well everyone was letting off these beautiful lanterns saying they look they look just amazing you know you look up and the sky is just dotted with hundreds and hundreds of lit beautifully lit lanterns floating off into the sky of course in retrospect I'm now thinking oh god where did they land you know it's like doing a balloon drop or something ridiculous you know we didn't realize at the time the environmental impacts weren't on my mind but I was just thinking wow that's beautiful but midnight lasted about 20 minutes and I think it was just because everyone had a dodgy watch from Bangkok so we'd see at some about 10 2 we'd saw someone you could have had this beautiful view of the whole coast and dotted along it with, with little parties because of course it was pitch black and you could see that they were lit up with twinkly lights and lanterns and you'd see about 10 to 12 like one of the parties down there was like 10 9 8 and we're looking at our watches going 10 to and this went on you know every couple of minutes you'd see another party somewhere along the beachside um celebrating midnight until about 20 past i think people were still going 10 9 8 but that was really good fun we ended up in Hungary at about three o'clock in the morning, we went to this backpackery type place where, you know, there were lots of locals and lots of backpackers and everyone thinking they're really cool. Look at me, I'm a traveller. And, you know, so we, we went and sat there and ordered some food. And then my worst nightmare, a massive flying cockroach flew in and sort of hovered at my head level. And this is, I'm a bit of a baby when it comes to cockroaches. That is probably one of my great phobias. And I just screamed and ran out and our food had come and I would not go back into that restaurant. And I made myself very, very uncool looking with all these backpackers were like, hey, you know, what's what's that? It's just a cockroach. We eat them for breakfast over here, you know, and I'll gap here. And so we just had to throw some money down. It wasn't much money and uh, and leave. And we never got to eat dinner. Um, what else was there? Cambodia was a brilliant New Year's Eve, a really brilliant New Year's Eve. We'd gone to Cambodia and I'd become obsessed with reading about the Khmer Rouge and the troubles that happened in the 70s there because a lot of street vendors were selling books and I, I used to read a lot at the time and oh gosh going to Phnom Penh with the Tolseng prison S21 that was a school that was converted into basically a, a slaughterhouse a concentration camp several thousand I'm not going to look this up thousands of people went through that and seven came out alive so it was just shocking and it wasn't sanctified in a way that you go to sort of other sites you know where atrocities of like that have happened it's it was looking exactly as how they left it there was a rusty old you know in one room was a rusty old bedstead and with blood on the floor and chains where people had been chained up and the photos of all the people that had gone through there because they were quite meticulous with their um, note keeping a bit like the, the the Nazis and it was just a very very eerie eerie place to visit we also went to the killing fields which was just shocking you know seeing the skulls piled up I know this is not much many people's idea of a holiday but I you know I always think that it's really important to visit these sites and remember you know what what people have gone through as well as really enjoying the country as well and wow Cambodia is a great place to enjoy but one thing about the killing fields is when you come outside uh, there's people like street vendors trying to sell you 
a trip to go and shoot a gun and you're like this is just that's just wrong we didn't take it up but I know a lot of tourists do so we went down to the beach uh see Nukeville for a few days a week or so I don't know and the very first place we stayed in was in a hotel should I name it or not because it's still open it had just reopened and maybe I won't name it but it's got a it's got a spelling mistake in the in the the name of it I don't know whether they've corrected it now but it was under the Khmer Rouge it was used again a bit like the the school at Tolsang prison it was used as a, a, a you know a, a place where they would kill people and headquarters and all sorts of things had gone on and it's the only place where I have felt fear for absolutely no reason whatsoever just because what went on there and I remember they being shown our room and I it was a room it had two single beds in it was actually a really nice hotel but I looked at it and all this like I was I was having these awful visions of blood and smashed skulls and really shocking things just standing there with the man and I was I, I shivered it makes, makes me shiver just thinking about it and I said to David I said we ca- I can't stay in this room I can't stay in this room and I pretended it was because of the single beds but it was because I was having these awful awful visions and they moved us they moved us to another uh, room and I didn't get the visions but I would not go to that hotel room on my own I would just I felt you know I there was there was a vibe there there was an atmosphere and I felt it and I will not go back to that hotel so to get through to the hotel to get to the hotel you had to go through I don't know it was probably only about a mile of, of jungle in you know a proper road and everything and but you you could sense in the trees the thick dense dark trees all around you could just sense that bad things had happened there or I felt I could and I felt a bit ridiculous you know thinking this but one time from the little sort of strip of bars and everything on the beach at Sionukville we got a a, a tuk-tuk back there and we were driving through the jungle and I'm thinking this is just awful it's just us on the dark in the tuk-tuk and you know and you think well okay at least like the locals are not going to be scared and as I thought that the little guy that was driving the tuk-tuk turned around and he had fear in his eyes and he said to us are you scared? And I went, yes. And David said, yes. And he said, me too. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's kind of a relief in one way that, you know, that we're not the only people that are scared. But, but you know, this is not good. He's scared as well. But we, we got out there intact, of course, and moved for a couple of uh, maybe two or three nights to a really posh resort down the road. Um, when I travel, I like to sort of mix it up a bit. And also in, in Asia, it's often the only place you can afford a five star hotel because they're a lot cheaper comparatively than in Europe. So we moved to this really lovely resort with like big pools and everything and there were lots of families and we weren't families obviously but we had a great time but on New Year's Eve there was a gala dinner and we were like oh god should we go you know but yeah we gotta we gotta try out the gala dinner and so we went uh, we looked at the names place they had a you know one of those diagrams of the place what's it called uh, you know anyway they have a diagram with the place names on it and we were we were sitting next to people called bell and we just remembered that because we've got a friend brian bell hello brian and um anyway so we sat on these lovely gala dinner tables big round tables around the swimming pool and the bells we thought oh god we're going to be sitting next to something really boring or there's going to be really grown-up people here and no one sort of on our on our level and actually the bells paul bell who is an australian he was just a great laugh and he was with his friend a girl and we ended up getting drunk with them and then we ended up going to the the beach 
area and having a great night. I think there might have been some smoking going on and um, and a few drinks and ending up in this backpacker bar. And the beach itself was beautiful. You know, lots of um, it wasn't very well formed at that point. I've heard people go back and say that it's it's quite sort of overrun with tourists and quite overdeveloped now. But back then it was there were just a few beach shacks and, you know, very rough cushions and tables on the sand outside and uh, we had this great night but anyway on the way back to the hotel which was not as far as the one that we'd just come from the one in deeper deeper into the the, the jungle along the coast I got a tuk-tuk on the way back and Paul who was a motor motorbiclist motorcyclist um, said to the tuk-tuk driver was like how much for me to you know to drive that myself and the guy just set a price so the four of us me Paul's friend and myself and David ended up like speeding off at a crazy speed I do remember now we were actually a bit stoned sorry mum dad if you're listening Um, (laughs) and the police Um, you can't it was a long time ago and uh, we ended up speeding off as fast as we could into the jungle I think he even might have done a wheelie onto this tuk-tuk and the poor guy just looking like horrified watching us as we went and you know we were fine and you do some silly things when you're travelling abroad and now as a parent you know I think oh god uh, the things that I did but um it was it was really good fun so that was Cambodia another really one of the most special New Year's Eves I had was in Sydney and my friend Veronica who I'd actually met in Thailand when I was working um, for Orange that's three when I spent three months there she had gone back to her native Sydney and she said come over you know come for New Year's Eve and she said oh this is boat party that my friends are going on and it was something like about a hundred the equivalent of a hundred pounds a head which was like a big chunk of our budget for the holiday it, it felt like a lot of money we were like humming and ahhing about it and anyway we did we'd just been to had we gone to Fiji first yes we went to Fiji we went to LA, then we went to Fiji, and then we went to Australia. And Fiji was incredible because that was me meeting my Fijian family for the first time ever. And actually, we, we met some and stayed with some Fijian family in Sydney as well, because a lot of them have moved to Australia and other places. And we, um, what happened? So, oh, yeah, you know, Year's Eve, we're staying with my friend Veronica. And we went, we had this most magical, magical boat trip on Sydney Harbour. Oh, my God. Hang on. Hello. Oh, hi, Holly. Oh, yes. Okay, great. Okay, cool, no problem. Oh my God, I forgot I was on talk radio. I'm back and that was the funniest thing ever. I'd forgotten that I was meant to be on talk radio talking about the uh, hot destinations to visit, travel destinations to visit. Luckily, I was on talk radio at two o'clock in the morning also talking about that. So I kind of had had it fresh in my memory where were the best places to go. But that was very funny. I shouldn't really say this because it made me look terribly unprofessional. But it is Christmas and I'm doing a lot of radio uh, slots at the moment, especially with there were a lot of troubles at Gatwick Airport in, in London with a drone flying over and maybe many thousands of flights were cancelled and so I've been on LBC and talk radio a lot talking about that so I've been doing a lot of radio slots and I'm very sorry if that's unprofessional that I completely forgotten that I was going on the radio but I think I managed to wing it hurrah um so where was I I was talking about Sydney we had an incredible trip in Sydney I did make a rough note in my phone of destinations where I've spent New Year's Eve if anyone's interested 
Kuala Lumpur. I spent a New Year's Eve in Kuala Lumpur once, which was not as exciting as I thought it would be because we went, we heard the locals all go to this great park, which I've forgotten what it's called, in the, in the city centre near the Petronas Towers. And it was great. It was beautiful. But we couldn't get anything to drink. <laughs> and that's our main, not obviously not our main thing, but it was like, oh God, we can't have a drink because, uh, uh, there were, you know, the Muslim com- country and, you know, there were no, there wasn't like any bars. We just assumed there'd be bars in these places. were terribly, terribly uncouth. And then Goa, I spent a great New Year's Eve in Goa when we ended up dancing with the locals on the beach until the early hours of the morning. And, you know, my, my dad is, is Indian and I'm half Indian, although he was born and bred in Fiji. Um, but some of the local men, the dancing was just the best. There was one man who, it was it was Bangra. So they were playing some great music, and for this one like Bangra song, he he danced or jumped for the whole time on one leg. He spent the whole dance jumping wildly on one leg. I mean, that is like some serious... I mean, he had another leg. It was the other leg to work. It was just his dancing style. And that was like some serious skills. We felt rough the next morning. But I think, well, we blamed it on the ice, obviously. It was the... It was the ice. For the last few New Year's Eves, I've been here where I am talking to you um, in Spain. And we go to a local Irish pub called Pogs. I think it was, it used to be called Pogues, but there was probably some sort of legality um, from Shane McGowan. Hello, Victoria, Mary Clark. I'll, uh, I'll tag you on Facebook, Shane McGowan's wife, um, who's a lovely lady that I chat to on Facebook, on Twitter quite a lot. I don't know what, maybe, actually, Victoria, maybe you can tell me what was the issue with the name. Anyway, this this bar is great. And it is obviously named after the Pogues because it's got big posters of Shane in there they've also got um posters of Phil Liner and all these like great sort of Irish people anyway they have bands and I just love bands good or bad I don't care I love music and I love being able to go and dance there and I was there last night dancing until four o'clock in the morning but for the last three New Year's Eves um, because here in Spain they do a family thing they don't go out until midnight now we're English it's really hard like not going out until midnight because we want to go out and also we don't have the stamina maybe that the Spanish have so the last three New Year's Eves the bars are all very quiet until midnight when people have gone to the square and and the the clocks chime and they eat grapes on every dong of the the 12 dongs which is actually very hard to do I know it sounds easy but if you eat a grape on every if you manage all 12 on the 12 dongs then you have it's meant to be great luck for year for the year I've never managed it and actually I've given up now but people will gather with their families they'll have a lovely meal and then they'll go to the the town hall it used to be in the church square here but they'll go now to the town hall and there'll be music and dancing and performances and then everyone will do their grapes and it is a great atmosphere but I haven't managed the uh, the grapes or, or the going to the, the square for the last few years what David and I have done is just about 10 o'clock the two of us have gone out and sat in this Irish bar where nobody is at that point because it's quite early and we've just sat the, th- the two of us there's no pressure and just listen to some music and then people have gradually filtered through the band has come on and it's been really nice and that to me takes away any pressure of I hate that pressure to enjoy yourself on New Year's Eve I you know it, it, it's guaranteed to make it a bad night so I remove the pressure I think right we'll just go out for a couple of drinks and see what happens and invariably it is quite a good night the thing about me on New Year's Eve is I cry it's like when I go and watch my children's performances in the Christmas or the Easter concert or whatever, I will cry. I, I, it doesn't take me much to cry and um, good things or bad things. And so I just get so embarrassed. So at midnight, I just have to 
switch off. I have to think of anything else. I have to like think of my shopping list. Otherwise, I'll be just sitting there with tears streaming down my face, and I'm gulping back the tears. If I if I switch my mind on, you know, I'm I got a little video montage in my head of the music, you know, almost like Sigur Ross or Elbow, something really like you know, sort of tear jerking, and I will I will see a baby crying. I'll see a you know mother hugging someone. I'll see I'll be thinking about things, and I'll just get too emotional. And the trouble is spending in New Year's Eve here in Spain is that we have New English New Year. And then we have Spanish New Year. So they'll ce- celebrate the two of them. It's, oh, God, there's two midnights. And I start to think of all my friends back in England. And that to me, to me, I mean, back in the days before Facebook and social media, when I was in some exotic country for New Year and Christmas, I always used to text all my friends and say, Happy Christmas from wherever we were. Or Happy New Year, rather, from wherever we were. And they would text back. My friend Tack once, she was like, Happy New Year from Northern Ireland. We're on a bus in fancy dress. On the, we've got a hip flask. We're on the way to a party. And everyone would text, you know, their, their locations and what they were doing and their love and everything. And that was really lovely. And that's actually something that social media has taken away. But you will find me at midnight trying to choke back the Tears. don't look at me if you see me I don't I don't want any emotion I just want to pretend it's not happening and then after midnight it's like phew I can relax now I don't have to uh, to worry about you know embarrassing myself in public the one thing I haven't done on New Year's Eve considering I live in London and I've lived in London stroke Brighton for the last oh, since 1990 so what's that I should be quite easy <laughs> so 29 29 years is that 29 years oh my goodness I've never ever been to see the fireworks at Westminster and they look like the most amazing fireworks in the world. I've been close. I've spent New Year's Eve in a, in a hotel and walking along the river just down the road. We sat in our hotel room and watched the fireworks, which were around the bend of the river. But I've, I just, I'm sorry, I cannot, it looks beautiful, but I just cannot face the cold and the queuing and the cold, actually. I, I could queue if it was warm and sunny and in, in some, you know, lovely country, but I cannot go and watch the fireworks in the cold. So that is a few of highlights of my New Year's Eves abroad. I hope you've enjoyed them if you've stayed with me. And what we've got coming up in the new year? Well, in February, it will be our annual, our first anniversary of starting the Big Travel Podcast. And I always say our, but it is just me on my own. I'd love someone to come and help me. If you want to come and help me, please do so. But I've been working really, really hard to get some really good guests and Wow, we've had some amazing guests working backwards, you know, Giles Corrin, the man in seat 61, Tom Hall from Lonely Planet, Sharon Lazam, who's a photographer with um, Oasis and, well, actually with Noel Gallagher and just incredible people, Kirsty Walk, Jane Garvey, Edith Bowman, and even back into the very early days, my good friend Lucy Siegel, Fabio, Paul Ross. It's just been, it's been an incredible year. We've got some brilliant guests lined up as well for the first couple of weeks in January. We've got two Irish authors, Ema and Sarah, who've written a very, very popular book uh, about a lady called Ashley and this fictional character that they made up. They've been topping the charts in Ireland and I've got uh, I've recorded it already. I've just got to edit it and put that out for you in a few days' time. And also Liz Johnson, who's a Paralympic swimmer, who has a story that will make you cry, laugh and is very, very, very inspirational. And and I'm working on some very well-known guests as well. So I try and like mix up the very well-known guests with the very inspirational guests. Obviously, some of the well-known guests are also inspirational. But um, we've got some some really good people on. So I'm really excited about sharing those with you. And I hope you all have a very lovely 
2019. Do we say 2019 or 2019? I, I veer between the two sometimes. I think 2019 is starting to feel a little bit shorter, though, to say. So probably a bit more convenient. I hope you have such a great um, new year and that you've got lots of nice travels planned, whether that's just exploring your home city or going somewhere far and wide. And thank you so much for staying with me on the Big Travel Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch, we've got Facebook groups. We're on Twitter and an email, lisa at thebigtravelpodcast.com and so much more. So have a lovely year and I will be back very soon with my first episodes, first proper episodes of January.